Diversity, equity, inclusion. Three big words that have been the focus of national conversation more than ever in recent years. Today, on Lindsay Live, we're going to contextualize what these words mean to a school district and to the stakeholders in the community. How our efforts to strive for equitable learning environments affect the conditions present at school sites and the attributes of learners and staff. At Lindsay Unified, the principles of our strategic design and performance-based system serve as the foundation for our approach to educational equity. They ensure all learners are provided the ideal learning experience and are met at their developmental levels. Both derive from the vision set by the Lindsay community in 2007 and reflect the goals of that community for its graduates. The mission and vision of the strategic design and tenets of the performance-based system value personalized learning mastery-based progressions, and anytime, anywhere learning as means to provide the ideal learning experience for every learner. There's an unyielding focus on learner-centered thinking, learner agency, lifelong learning, growth mindset, and the leveraging of transformational technology and skilled leadership. The outcomes of the strategic design and the performance-based system have led the district to numerous advancements and equitable outcomes for learners. Lindsay Unified has developed a reputation as a pioneer in the space of digital access and equity for learners. As part of its One to World initiative, devices such as iPads and Chromebooks have been given to every learner for nearly a decade. In 2015, Lindsay Unified began the design and implementation of the Community Wi-Fi Project, which involved the construction of a district network and Wi-Fi towers to ensure learners had access to 24-7 learning via internet access at home, and at no charge to their families. Additionally, the tenets of the scoring and grading system in Lindsay, which removed traditional time-based metrics such as A through F grading and averaging of scores, led to proven increases in high school graduation, college readiness, acceptance, and persistence that exceeded state and national levels for communities like Lindsay. In Lindsay, every voice is heard, and the learning happens at the level which individual learners need it to happen. We've worked hard to make this vision for equity a reality in Lindsay, and we know there is still a long way to go on that journey. Joining us on today's show to talk about where we are and where we're going are three of the driving forces behind Lindsay's push for equitable learning environments. Yvette Erudia is a counselor at Lindsay High School, where she plays a key role in helping learners make the transition from the Lindsay community to the post-high school world. John Woods is our Director of Special Education. He ensures that our learners with unique learning needs are supported with access to learning and academic and social-emotional achievement. Also joining the podcast today is Superintendent Tom Rooney. Superintendent Rooney has overseen much of the district's transformation to performance-based education and has repeatedly emphasized the importance of listening intently to every stakeholder voice and making decisions based on providing for the specific needs of every learner. In just a moment, we'll discuss the steps that Lindsay Unified is taking to overcome equitable barriers in culture, income, language, and even a global health emergency. It's all coming up right here on Lindsay Live. Welcome to Lindsay Live. I've got John Woods, Yvette Yerudia, and Superintendent Tom Rooney with me. We're talking about the ways in which Lindsay Unified strives for equity and inclusion. We've crafted a vision for our district that centers around providing equitable learning opportunities for every learner. Superintendent Rooney, you've time and again stressed the importance of having representation from every stakeholder group at the table for the creation of the strategic design. Can you tell us about that process and why it was so vital to the district's success? 
Our process was to reach out to various stakeholder groups within our community, from um, learning facilitators to classified staff, to parents from our Spanish and English speaking community, our board, our community leaders and business folks. And, and we engaged them in a conversation about the, the future of Lindsay Unified. And we essentially just had several days of work sessions in which we we brainstormed around key ideas and key concepts related to why do we exist? What are the values that we embrace? What are the principles by which we will live by? What's the vision for the future? And, and ultimately, what's the description of, of a Lindsay graduate? Collectively, we, we came up with incredible, a lot of rich information and went through a series of prioritizing and power voting and and, and really determining which elements should rise to the top. And, and I think through that process, our strategic design was born and it essentially answered those questions. So we have a clear mission statement of empowering and motivating for today and tomorrow. We have very clear, clearly defined values and principles, multiple vision statements related to learning and personnel and leadership and stakeholders and curriculum and instruction and assessment. And we also have our lifelong learning standards. So the power of using and engaging in gathering the voice of the community in something like that is that it creates a different level of ownership because this strategic design and what we're living in Lindsay as we advance equity for Lindsay learners, that is not the vision of the superintendent. It's not the work of the school board. It's actually the collective voice of our community saying, this is what we desire for the children of Lindsay. And it's our role as servants of Lindsay Unified and employees of Lindsay Unified to essentially make that reality possible. And so I, I hope that sheds some light on the power of engaging stakeholder voice. Yes, it definitely does. It's clear that community involvement is certainly vital to the vision crafting process. But... The needs of the community and the needs of individual learners can change rapidly, as can the collective needs of a school district. It's been over 13 years since that strategic vision was adopted. What has the district been doing since then to make sure it's still relevant to the needs of today's Lindsay learners? A real foundation of the strategic design that's powerful to note, I believe, is it's future-focused. In its very nature, it was future-focused. It, it called out elements of a vision and elements of what's possible for learning and for our learners that back in 2007, people were saying, absolutely not. That will never happen. Are you kidding me? And even in 2015, people were saying, you're never going to get to that space. And there's elements of our vision. We've made progress on significant progress in many areas, but there are elements of our vision that have absolutely not been realized yet. And so that is what keeps the strategic design alive. Our lifelong learning standards have really launched in, and are being much more effectively taught and embraced and lived by our learners. But it's not just our learners. What about our families? And so an outreach we're doing in the future is to really engage our families in the, out, in the lifelong learning standards. That's just an example. I think another piece to recognize is that the principles that are called out in the strategic design those are enduring principles. They're principles about learners that will never change. And they're principles about learning and teaching that will never change. And they're principles about our stakeholders in our community that will never change. And when we embrace those principles, as well as the values, the values that we have, those are enduring. And when you embrace those and you look at those, 
and you're living those, then that's what guides the work. That's what guides the decision-making. That's what guides the next step forward. That, that's what guides places where we need to improve upon or check and adjust on. And I think another key element of why it is still so relevant is because not just the future-focused element of it, but, but also it's relevant because over time, it has come to live in the minds and the hearts of Lindsay's stakeholders, particularly those who, who are employed in Lindsay Unified. But even with, with many of our learners, certainly with our school board, and even with, with many of our parents or community, it's not something that sits on a shelf. It's something we talk about all the time. It's something we reference all the time. It's something that, that we just live. And when, when there is elements of the strategic design that are not being embraced or not being fully lived out or not being, not, we're not striving for them actively, many people in our learning community call each other out. We say, wait a second, this is where we should be. This is what we should be doing. And so I would say that's a key part that it lives in the minds and the hearts of those who are carrying it out and those who are living in the midst of it that keeps it absolutely relevant for today's learner in today's society with the situations that we're facing now and the situations we will face in the future. One of the most important things about that vision is that it focuses on the learner. A chunk of our strategic design is even specifically dedicated to our vision for our graduate. Yvette, as a counselor, you play a role in guiding learners as they make choices for their future beyond Lindsay High School. How does equity factor into that decision-making process? In the last few years, we've worked really hard to look at our community and see what our learners were asking from us and what the parents were asking from us and not only focus on the college and university, but we've also expanded a lot into the trade and technical type of jobs and schools. And so we've been very fortunate to be able to offer many things here within our own CTE pathways. And we're doing internships. For example, we have NDS that just reached out to us not long ago and wants to do a local internship over the summer so that our graduates can attend there. We have apprenticeships that we're working on. We have the forklift certificate that we work on. And then we have a lot of the college local communities like COS and PC that are working with us. And we have been able to expand a lot of our dual enrollment courses here on campus. And we offer SICA, which has allowed a lot of our learners to earn almost two years worth of credits by the time they graduate so that they can go on to a university. We've been working with the parents and the learners and listening to what they need. We are a voice uh, sometimes for the learners. Parents can't always make the phone call to financial aid office or to admissions office and ask the right questions. So we will sit here with the learner in our office and make those phone calls and ask the questions as to what they are kind of hitting as barriers as to what documents are missing, what do they need. Financial aid is still a big need when we when it comes to attending a university. So it's really explaining to the parents the need of maybe additional support, the need for scholarships. So we make several parent meetings and we give them all the information, try to prepare them over the three years so that when they get to their senior year, they hopefully know a little bit more of what to expect so that we can focus mainly on their applications. But we also work very closely with COS in terms of preparing our learners in dual enrollment courses. So they're meeting their A through G requirements through the dual enrollment courses. So they're kind of hitting two birds with one stone, right? Where they're taking a high school course that will meet their requirements for graduation, but they can also um, transfer these courses 
beyond to a university. We do the same thing, for example, our special education population. They are also taking these same courses. We have learners every year that are in special ed that are graduating with A through G. So there's we, we play it equally. Everybody gets to, to participate. I heard you mention something called CTE Pathways. Can you explain what that is for our listeners and talk about how they're able to help us meet the unique needs of each individual learner? So the CTE, we have several different ones. And so a lot of the learners end up getting their hands on these projects, like such as like welding, forklift. And another one, it would be like our CNA certificate that they get to earn and become a CNA nurse after they graduate. So all of these programs that they're able to get here, certificates are able to earn through high school, are able to apply it after. Really working hands-on on the same jobs that they would maybe go to instead of maybe going to college, they're going to go and work in a place where they could use their forklift certificate or where they could use their CNA license or in ag science. A lot of our families around here work in agriculture. And so a lot of their kids are earning the skills to go and work with their families in, in their own family business as well. And that keeps expanding. We actually just included additional instructional aids to help our learners grow in the CTE pathway so that we can have them graduate with the CTE pathway and they can have that experience. Not everybody has the same plan. Everybody's going to choose a different trade, a different, a different job. They have different abilities. And it's very important for us to offer a little bit of everything that we have. Many of our learners here locally like to go into agriculture. So we prepare them with a skill so that they can go out there. A lot of them also want to maybe go into a tech program like mechanics. So we have the auto shop CTE program as well that allows them to do that. We have to think all across the board. It's not just college. It's not university. It's the skills that they can earn now when they're in high school so that they can move on and be successful because success really is not just defined by the much money they earn, but like what they wholeheartedly believe that they want to be doing and they're passionate about. And that is the biggest thing as a counselor that I stress, you need to work in what you're passionate about. John, you oversee a critical department that ensures full equity and access for some of our most vulnerable learners. How do you approach ensuring our learners on IEPs are provided the most equitable education possible? Well, Ian, you know, first, first of all, and most importantly, we have to come from a point of view and a mindset of, of having a culture of inclusion for our learners with disabilities. It's bothered me when I've worked in other school districts where learners with disabilities were placed somewhere else other than in the actual classroom so they could be with their peers. So that's the first place. How do we make that happen in terms of a culture of inclusion? Well, we need first and foremost to have a staff that is very passionate about the learners that they serve. And all those staff work hand in hand with our parents as well. I cannot emphasize enough the, the important role that parents play in our, the process of making sure that our learners with disabilities are included fully. In order to make that happen in terms of their full inclusion, we need to just have this mindset again of what can our learners do? What are their strengths? And we need to have very high expectations for them. Through that process, we can make sure that their accommodations are met and they have equitable access to their education. I just want to name check just a couple of people along the way that have played an important role in making sure our learners are included. And this has been kind of incremental and improved over time. And what I'm going to call out a little bit is actually the Empower system. 
that has been tweaked and modified over time to make sure that our learners with disabilities uh, are fully included and their, um, their accommodations are placed within the Empower system. And the people I want to name check are Nick Nambla, who's no longer with us, Matt Newcomb, Amalia Lopez, and they keep picking up the torch and improving that system for our learners with disabilities every single year. Now, we also, of course, need to have a really well-crafted IEP. What that does is it creates an equitable playing field for our learners. It creates a very strong plan for them to make sure that they are included and they're successful. And through the IEP process, we have the accommodations in place, which makes sure that they can have equitable access to their education. And we have very focused goals within that. Our IEPs are aligned with each other. We are all in alignment and with regard to what our mission is for our learners with disabilities. It is to get them to graduate and to make sure that they have a successful skill set for when they leave Lindsay Unified. Now, I just want to talk a little bit, just very briefly, about our Zoom process. What Zoom has enabled us to do is actually to include our parents and our general education LFs a little bit more uh, cooperatively and collaboratively with our IEP process. And what I mean by that is, is that you know, through Zoom, it gives really a little bit more of an opportunity for different stakeholders to be involved in the IEP and really to have a strong voice at the table. I always like to look at situations which may be challenging and try and see the positive side of those particular situations. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about LHS. You know, so at LHS, we actually have a very strong co-teaching model. And what I mean by that is, is that in almost all of our mainstream subjects, our ADG subjects, we also have a, an education specialist embedded within the actual classroom co-teaching that particular subject. That creates a lot of access and equitable access to our learners with disabilities at the high school. And to me, what is the real proof in the pudding with regard to if our learners gain equitable access, are they able to get a good, strong education in Lindsay? And I look at our learners from our IRC program at Lincoln, but especially at the high school. These are sometimes our most challenged learners with significant mental health disabilities often and they come from incredibly challenging backgrounds, but we are able to meet their needs. And the proof this year in particular is that we have three of those learners that are actually graduating and moving on. So ultimately, can our learners with disabilities say when they leave here, I received what I needed? And I feel that yes, they absolutely can through the fact that we have so many different areas and accommodations in place for them to make sure they succeed. John, you talk about creating an equitable learning experience for our most vulnerable. One group that certainly fits into that category is learners living in poverty. It's something we hear about all the time now, the income gap is widening. Many might blame that, or at least place a large portion of the blame for that, on lack of access to quality education for children living in poverty. We have a responsibility to provide an equitable access to education for all learners. And in Lindsay, many of our learners come from families living below the poverty line. How does that affect their access to education? Because we have a uncompromisingly learner-centered system where it is about ensuring that, as John said, when our learners leave our system, we want them to honestly and with conviction be able to tell us you gave me what I needed when I needed it. That's our commitment to equity. And so for children of impoverished backgrounds, we look at our school system 
as the path out of poverty for them. And we look at and fully embrace our responsibility to not only provide them with access to the learning, but actually competence in the learning. It's a personalized competency-based system, which means that it's, it's designed for you and it's tweaked for you based on what you need. And then it has incredibly high expectations, both academically and personally, for personal excellence. And, and those high expectations and the competencies that we have laid out and the fact that we do whatever it takes to ensure their competence, they may need more time, they may need more resources, they may need a different adult working with them, they may need a different type of assessment, whatever it is that they need. Our mission is really to, to ensure and guarantee their success. It's a guaranteed and viable curriculum. So children of poverty or with, with from impoverished backgrounds um, come into Lindsay's system and they're met at their developmental learning level. They are challenged. We work with them to guarantee their success and ensure their success, which changes their mindset about themselves. It changes their mindset about what's possible. Our response and our commitment to equity for children from impoverished backgrounds is that you come to Lindsay and we're gonna give you what you need. And if that means the very best learning facilitator to help you learn how to read and write, if that means the very best counselor to help guide you in your work, if that means nutrition, if that means connections and access to healthcare, whatever that might mean, we embrace our responsibility towards those Lindsay learners to give them what they need. So if you look at our strategic design, there are no asterisks on there. It doesn't say, well, there's an asterisk for learners with disabilities. There's an asterisk for learners that come from poverty. The, the strategic design holds all of us to very high standards. And it also makes sure that there's a roadmap for all of our learners and our systems to make sure that we meet the needs of everybody. That is equity. The strategic design does not talk about poverty because that's not part of our mindset with regard to meeting needs. We meet everyone's need at their developmental level, and we have high expectations for what they can achieve here in Lindsay. I want to go off of what Mr. Rooney said earlier. We look at the learner as a whole. So the learner comes to school hungry. If the learner comes to school with a need from home or mental need, whatever it might be, we are very fortunate to have a lot of resources within the district, such as Healthy Start, the migrant program, and everybody steps in to help. And so that we can take care of the learner so that when the learner goes into the classroom, they're fully focused on their academics and what they need to get done. As you mentioned, we place a lot of emphasis on mindset shift. How does living through poverty affect the mindset of a human being? Well, I, I don't want to presume to be able to tell you about how through living through poverty changes the mindset of a human being, because I will be honest, I have not lived through poverty. So I, don't, I haven't walked in those exact shoes. But I, I will say this with regard to mindset. There is a, a mindset of no matter who the learner is, when they are on our campuses, in our systems, interacting with us as adults, as educators, or any individual that is hired by the district, the mindset should be to meet those learners' needs and be responsive to them. Whether it's from poverty, whether it's a mental health issue, whether they have high levels of ability, it doesn't really matter. We should be meeting every single learner's needs exactly where they are. And so that's the mindset and the culture that's important to embrace is that we need to meet everyone's learners, every learner's needs. 
And I think I would spin off that John talks really specifically about the mindset of the adults. When we think about the mindset of the learners as well, is um, we very intentionally teach the growth mindset. We teach learners to embrace a growth mindset, one that enables them to persevere through difficult situations, to rise up from failure and to create a path and a chart their path towards success, regardless of the obstacles they may face. And what's happened is our, our learners come to us, they come to us with incredible sense of resilience and this incredible sense of grit that they can make it through just about anything. And so what we've chosen to do in our equity commitment is keep the expectations high. We don't lower the expectations because a child comes from an impoverished situation. We don't lower them because perhaps their parents might not be able to support them in their educational journey. We don't lower expectations for anybody, but rather we say, let us teach you, let us work with you to develop what is needed within you. What's, what's needed within your mind, what's needed within your heart to, to fully succeed. It's a no excuses system. Yes, our learners come with traumatic situations sometimes in their life. They have not always have the same opportunities as perhaps affluent communities may offer. We don't use that as an excuse. We look at our learners and say, well, what assets do you bring? They bring incredible gifts and incredible assets, and we build upon those to guarantee their success. And it ultimately, in a personalized system, it comes to ownership. In Lindsay, in our personalized competency-based model, we have systems and structures in place that teaches our learners to take ownership over their learning, to take ownership over their success, to take ownership over when there are failures, how to come up and rise strong from those. It's about individual and personal ownership. And when our learners embrace that mindset of ownership, everything is possible for them, absolutely everything. And it becomes no excuses for them. And it creates a possibilities of hope and being able to realize and envision a, a different future than perhaps they might see in their home or that they've experienced in their life outside of school. We hope that our learners will carry that positive growth mindset with them when they graduate from Lindsay. But is that enough to level the playing field? Or are there other disadvantages that learners coming from a background of poverty will carry with them after graduation and into university. What are we doing to equip our graduates to leave Lindsay and enter into the post-high school world? Many of our learners don't have some of the life experiences that might make it um, more difficult to succeed after they leave our system. And I, I, I want, hopefully Yvette will, will chime in here too, of, of what do we do to try to prepare our learners so that when they leave the small community of Lindsay, and perhaps they've never been to certain parts of the world or engaged with certain groups of people that are much more diverse than, than our area. And so one of the things that we do is, is we attempt to create relevant learning opportunities, relevant learning opportunities for all Lindsay learners where they can engage in project-based learning that is, requires them to do deep thinking, collaborative work, and builds the understanding that the world is not just what you see in this little Lindsay community. And who you're going to see and what you're going to face is going to be different out there. So we leverage technology to expose them to that. We leverage extended um, field trips that, that expose them to that. And then I think most importantly is they know that people like Yvette and the learning facilitators, the counseling team, the administrators, 
that everybody's with them. That our learners know that, that no matter what, our Lindsay family is here with us and they're here for us. And as a matter of fact, next year as part of our equity commitment is we have actually hired an additional counselor whose role it will be, it will be to follow the Lindsay learner when they leave Lindsay and to stay with them to ensure their success, to be a mentor, to be a guide, to be a coach, to help Lindsay learners navigate the difficult world of either college or career or whatever that might be. So that's just a new a new um, element of our program that we offer. But Yvette, maybe more explicitly on some of the things you do. One of the big things that it has put us on the same map as, as some of the other schools and, and some of the kids that they will attend college and university with is dual enrollment courses. We have one of the most, one of the biggest dual enrollment programs here in the county. And we also have our SECA program over at Porterville College. So that is putting them at the same level as many of the students that they will have in college, the, uh, the universities, the kids that are competing and are coming in with, with these college level courses. Our kids are there, our learners are in the same playing field with them now. They have a lot of the support. And like Mr. Rooney said, I will be fortunate enough to follow my class of 2021 for the next two years and help support them. And honestly, I, I don't know of any other school that does this or any other district that does this. So they already come to me right now asking me for help next year. And I love it. And I'm excited to do that. This has been an amazing class, but they lose a lot of the support when they go on off to college. To university or when they choose not to go and then they want to change their mind they want to go to a school they need help with the job proud to say that here in lindsay we're going to do that and that i think sets us far more ahead of where many of, of some of the other kids who are even affluent communities are they don't have that support and we do and i love to brag about that <laughs> so we we also help a lot of our kids currently that are already in college and university with those financial aid applications with the scholarships so we we are there we're we're helping the learner go all the way through we do serve a community that is 90 percent hispanic and tom you mentioned some of the things that we're doing to expose them to the diversity of the world outside of lindsay but a percentage of our learners are second language English learners, and many of them come from households where only Spanish is spoken. What kind of challenges does that present for a staff who, especially at the administrative level, is composed primarily of English speakers? What have we done to overcome that language barrier? And do Spanish-speaking families have equitable access to the same resources that English speakers do? I appreciate asking that question. In fact, there's a, there's a significant number of um, staff members in Lindsay Unified who are Spanish speaking at all levels of the organization. And we always will provide our families with access to communication, whether it's verbal or written communication in their home language. We are committed to that. We have the resource to do that. We take the time to make sure that anything that they desire in Spanish, any level of translation that they like, we, we actually are prepared to do that and we actively engage in that. I think another critical component of that, though, is just recognizing that the language barrier is part of it. OK, but but there's also sometimes the, the, the culture element. And so it, it's actually creating relationships with our with our families and creating relationships with our parents that even somebody who is, does not speak their language, the parent knows whether they care or not. 
The parent knows whether they're loving their child or not. The parent knows whether this person is really supporting them and believing in them and being a resource to them. And I think that is a powerful language. That's that language of love and that language of support that actually crosses all cultures and all languages. And so that's part of the Lindsay staff expectations. And it's not about customer service. It's about connection. It's about relationships. And, and that connection relationships is essential. I think a couple of other cru crucial elements that we offer in Lindsay is we have our own migrant region. There's only 24 migrant regions in the entire state of California and Lindsay Unified has its own migrant region, region 24, which has a, a small but mighty staff that essentially services all of our migrant families. There's an automatic connection to all of our migrant families, the parents and the children, and helping them to navigate things such as navigating our performance-based system, navigating a report card, navigating the technology that we use, navigating the system they may or may not be familiar with, and ensuring our migrant learners have the opportunity, but not just the opportunity, but our ensured success. Another uh, service that we have that is unique to communities and districts our size is we have our own Healthy Start Family Resource Center. And the, the Family Resource Center is staffed with a significant number of case managers that provide outreach to our homeless population, outreach to families who might be struggling with financial needs, outreach to families who, who have a mental health or nutrition needs, providing free case management to help individuals and families to actually know and learn how to navigate the system to ensure their success and to advocate, ultimately advocate for themselves. Because in a culture of empowerment, in a culture of ownership, it's not about, you know, let's give them a fish. We, we, we're the, we teach them how to fish. And every one of our systems is committed to doing that. I would like to share that we have three counselors currently at the high school. And we all speak Spanish. Every meeting that we have, every letter, every bit of information that goes out, we always, you know, send it in both English and Spanish. A lot of the support for post high school, it's difficult to navigate because it's not always available in, in a second language, but we've been fortunate enough to have the resources, have the training that we need so that we can help them navigate through that. And then next year with the fourth counselor, there'll be three of us that are actually born and raised in Lindsay and share very similar culture, the same culture. They know us. We have those relationships with many families just because we have known them for years. I personally have been in the district almost 11 years. So I uh, started a Healthy Start, built a lot of relationships with families since then. And they do really well when they come in here. And I've seen their child grow up when they're little ones too, you know, now I have them in high school. So I think all of that helps. And it's amazing the relationships that we've built with our families and at meetings where I was just kind of catching up or they're glad to see they come and give you a hug. So I think we do a pretty good job of connecting with our families here at the high school. I could say that for us. And then so many of us are from the community and, and, connecting very well with them and we share the same barriers I was just sharing with a learner earlier you know I had the same barrier of going to college and and the struggles and the finances and I grew up here and it was you know quite a few years ago but there's still similar challenges that we face and I think parents feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that okay maybe you're one of us you got it you understand what we're dealing with and you know, I just want to piggyback just a little bit off of what Tom and Yvette have just said with regard to relationships. You know, I was at a 
an award ceremony recently and three of our ed specialists were honoring three of our families and parents. Each one of those parents come from a Hispanic background. The, the ethnicity was not part of the discussion, but the relationship was, it was all about the relationships. Parents were shedding tears, our staff were shedding tears because we were celebrating the partnerships and, and the successes of our learners. It's all about the relationships. We've talked about culture, we've talked about language, and we've talked about income. But there's still one more giant barrier to equity that has been especially relevant this year, and that is COVID-19. We're just now beginning to climb out of the shutdown created by COVID-19, which forced learning environments across the country to shift to distance learning. Now, for many more affluent families, this might not have been a huge disaster. Many upper middle class families were able to absorb this impact by creating homeschool groups, hiring private tutors, or simply by being surrounded by well-educated friends and family. However, for many schools with demographics similar to Lindsay, the effects of COVID-19 related school closures have been disproportionately devastating. What did Lindsay Unified do to protect their learners from effectively losing a year of in-class learning? There's a tremendous amount of information that's documented in various publications about our journey through COVID because it, it has become a model for districts that are either affluent or districts who, who are not. The, the core of that, to, to bring it back to our strategic design. In 2007, we, we said every learner will have their own device and every learner will be connected to the internet. And the majority of our content will be able to be accessed via technology. That was one of those things that back in 2007, everybody said, no, that's not possible. That's not going to happen. Not in Lindsay, not for your kids. And it did for probably seven to 10 years. Our learners have had their own device. Every learner has had their own device that they keep, that they take home with them. And that's a district provided device. Um, we also in 2016 embarked upon a very powerful community wide Wi-Fi project, which has led to every Lindsay learner and their parents having access to the internet for free. When you think about economic equity, that is a savings to our families of $56,000 per month that they don't have to pay in internet access because all of the internet access comes for free from the school district and all of the devices are provided by the school district. And so those are some key pieces that enabled us. And in addition to that, we've been building a learner management system. It's called Empower for, again, about the last decade. And when the pandemic hit, when other school districts were closing and essentially stopping the learning or scrambling, Lindsay Unified closed the facility on March 17th. And we opened up for learning for Lindsay learners on March 18th because we were prepared for that, because learners had their devices, because we had the connection. What shifted at that point was the training and development of our adults to actually provide a different pedagogical experience and a different learning experience because it was all virtual. But our learner, our adult learners also embraced the growth mindset. And everybody jumped into it right away. And within four days, we had 21 different breakout sessions that was teaching our adult learners and adult leaders how to engage with our families and our learners in this new virtual setting. So what happened during the pandemic, Ian, that was unique for Lindsay learners is we never lost the full connection. 
Absolutely, there's some that the, the, the virtual connection was not powerful for them. It was not the best experience for them. But ultimately, we were there reaching out and connecting to, and they knew, they knew we never left them. The world was in fear, panic, uncertainty. And what our Lindsay learners knew is that their Lindsay community, their Lindsay Unified community, never closed their doors. We just closed the facility and remained open for learning and love and connection for our learners. We were there the very next day and we never left them. We never had a gap over at the high school. We continued, like Mr. Rooney said, we were making phone calls. We were texting them. We were emailing. We were Zooming with them. There was some home visits. We never stopped communicating. And it was everybody making those phone calls. Everybody, all our aides, anybody who can help and support jumped on board and started doing that from day one. And over time, we definitely got better, but we never gave up on the learners. And we actually were fortunate to have even more parent participation in a lot of these meetings over Zoom because it became easier for them to attend. It became easier for sometimes the learners to reach out to us. So we made it work, and I believe we're still making it work. And it's amazing to see that even our distance learners and us are connecting at the same level that at a, at a better level than we were, you know, several months ago, but very similar to the learners here. If a learner asked me for a meeting, I'm on that same meeting with them, just like a learner walked into my office an hour ago. No, I just want to add to everything that Tom and Yvette said, too, is that for our learners with disabilities, it was a, it's been a considerable challenge. All of the systems that we have in place are quite incredible, but it was, you know, in some ways, it's been very hard to meet all of their needs. What we have done too, though, is that at a bare minimum, we've been making weekly contact with every single learner and every family through COVID. Speaking to what Yvette just mentioned about AIDS, I mean, we've, we leveraged all of the relationships that our support staff have that may not be credentialed teachers, but they do have relationships with our learners. And they were often the, the ones that were making the phone calls and making those connections to make sure the family's needs were met as much as we could and the learners knew that we were there for them. In an interesting way, the COVID pandemic increased the level of engagement of our parents because suddenly the learning was happening in their home. And our parents embraced their responsibility in a different way, supporting their learners and being side by side with their learners and advocating for their learners. I just want to honor our parents and honor the heroic and the deep level of commitment that they stepped up to during this time. And that speaks to, that speaks to a community of equity, that speaks to a, a community that is united in providing the needs for the children. The parents were side by side with our learning facilitators, with our counselors, with our classified staff. And they're saying, help me out with my son or daughter. And we were there to help them. And we were there and saying, hey, can you help us out here on that end? And, and there was this, it became a different kind of connection for some parents that we never had before. It was a very special connection. The COVID-19 challenge isn't over just yet, though. In the 21-22 school year, we'll likely still be facing some disparity from family to family based on their readiness to return to face-to-face -face learning. How will Lindsay Unified continue to provide for the unique needs of every individual learner and their family? You hear people talking about learning loss, 
with regard to to COVID. And, and there certainly are some some learners who did not achieve as high as they would have achieved if they were in person, because the circumstances and the situations for in a variety of different reasons were not ideal for their learning. Our our mindset has been not so much what was the learning loss, but what was the learning gained. What did we learn about teaching and learning? What did we learn about what we can do better in the future to, to engage our learners and to provide even more diverse and, and, and varied types of, of learning experiences? What did we learn about leveraging technology? What did we learn about connection and communication with parents? We will probably always have a lot of our parent meetings by Zoom now because it, they a lot more show up because it works for them. Our mindset coming out of COVID is let's take the lessons that we learned and let's use them to accelerate forward, to literally move our system faster than we could have ever moved in the past because of the lessons that we learned during the, the COVID pandemic. Lessons learned. I think that's actually a great topic to wrap up this podcast. What is one important lesson that you've learned from your journey as an educator about providing equity and access to all learners? What I've learned and what I continue to emphasize to anyone who will listen is that our learners need everyone in order to make them successful and to give them equitable access. It's not the ed specialist alone. It's not the general education LF alone. It's not the counselor alone. It's not their support aides alone. It's everyone together with their parent, making sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to maximize their potential. That is equitable access because when the whole system is aligned to make sure that every learner is successful, then they will be successful. For me, it's meeting every learner at their own level. I have 255 seniors and all 255 have unique needs. So it's when they come to me and ask me for something, I have to meet them at their need. If the parent come and comes to me and asks me for something, it's meeting them at their need. And it's a lot of collaboration. I, I have to collaborate with, with our staff, with our learning facilitators, with the parents, with the learner. To get through this year, it is taking every single one of us. And I mean, from front office staff, aides, everybody. The last couple of weeks, I've been spending quite a bit of time meeting about 50 families and it's meeting them at their need. And their plan, they have an individual plan and their plan looks unique to each learner because that's what we have to meet them. You have to be radically learner-centered, truly in your heart. You have to believe that my purpose as an educator is to give every learner what they need and when they need it, no matter what. It's to have extremely high expectations for them and to give them the resources and support and whatever is needed to ensure that they reach those, those expectations. That to me is, a, is one key element to ensuring equity for all learners. Yvette Yerudia, John Woods, and Superintendent Tom Rooney, thank you guys so much for joining me today. It's been great to chat with you and I appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. And as always, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify so you won't miss out on all the expert insight and fascinating discussion from our educators right here on Lindsay Live.